You're listening to the Gospel of Mark, a series preached by Pastor Dan Christians at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. So if you have your Bibles, go to the the book of Mark. I will be brief this evening. Um, In the book of Mark, we'll be looking at chapter 15, verses 42 to 47 in a moment. I think it's funny that this will be the shortest lesson in the entire series of the book of Mark, which we started back in July of 2018, but it has the longest title. The title of this lesson is The Unfinished and Glorious Testimony of Joseph of Arimathea. So, I don't know why I shared that, but I did. Uh, we will be covering the final two chapters of the Gospel of Mark out of order. We kind of jumped um, from chapter 15. We did chapter 16 on the outside service. I thought that was appropriate then. And now we're going to look at the testimony of Jer- Joseph of Arimathea, which I think is maybe appropriate for what we're going through this evening. Um, we are picking up in Mark's Gospel immediately following the crucifixion. Jesus has cried out and given up the ghost. So he has just passed on the cross. And now the temple veil is torn in two from top to bottom. And the Roman centurion who has been looking out over and overseeing the crucifixion events now gives this testimony. He recognizes that this Jesus that they just crucified is truly the Son of God. Now in Mark 15, 42, it says, Now when evening had come, Behold, it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. Now, on the Sabbath day, you will know that the Jews don't do any work. And and they are not going to do the work of taking these bodies off the cross. And so instead, these men would hang naked for another 24-hour period before anybody would do anything about their dead bodies. So Joseph of Arimathea knows this, says in verse 43, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. For Joseph to do this, this is a really big deal. Because up to this point, and we're going to find in John's Gospel, that up, up to this point, Joseph has been a follower of Jesus, but kind of in the background. He's been fearful of the Jews and what they're going to say, and, and he has this really wonderful position as one of the 70 council members of the Sanhedrin Council. So he is one of the 70 most important people in all of Israel. Everybody looks up to him. Everybody gives him authority, and, and he has prestige, and he has this amazing life. And now, he sees the body of Christ. And he knows, you remember he's silently following him, he knows what just happened. We don't even know if he recognizes that he's fulfilling the scripture when he does this, that he would be buried with the rich in his death. But we do know that he loved Jesus enough to to take this step out and to go to Pontius Pilate and to say, Pilate, I need to bring the body of Jesus down. We can't let it hang here for these 24 hours. And so he goes to Pilate and he asks for the body. Verse 44, Pilate marveled that he was already dead. And summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he brought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen. And he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock 
and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother, mother of Joseph, observed where he was laid. This character, Joseph of Arimathea, is one of these people in the Bible that appear for a very short time and do just something. Right? They're, they're there for a short time. Most of them are only mentioned in one or maybe two of the Gospels. Right? We know more about Nicodemus, and yet Nicodemus is only mentioned in the Gospel of John. But here, Joseph of Arimathea, his story is told in all four of the Gospels. And from these Gospels, we learn some different things. So I'm going to read the important verse in each of Matthew and Luke and John's Gospel that relate to Joseph of Arimathea, and then we're going to figure out what we know if we put them all together about who this man was. Matthew 27, 57 says, Now when evening had come, there was a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself also became a disciple of Jesus. So we know he's rich. Again, he's from Arimathea. We knew that already and that he had become a disciple of Jesus. Luke 23, 51 says, He had not consented to their decision and deed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. So we find out there that Joseph of Arimathea, though most of the council, it almost seemed unanimously voted to condemn Jesus to death, that here is one man who stood up and said no. said Jesus does not deserve to die. Now that's not recorded anywhere, but... From Luke's verse, it says he did not consent. He was, he was dissenting when it came to that decision. John 19.38 says, After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body of Jesus. And so what do we learn from all of these verses? Well, um, one of the things that's interesting is if you want to know more about Joseph of Arimathea, if you want to know more about the city Arimathea, you're going to have a really hard time. Okay, Arimathea is, is not a well-known place. In fact, Eusebius is the only historian that really mentions it, and he calls it Armtham Sophia, the city of Elkanah and Samuel, is situated near Diospolis, the home of Joseph, who is from Arimathea in the Gospels. Eusebius is one of the only, or the only historian that really mentions this place. It sounds like it was the home of Elkanah and Samuel. And so there is a connection to the Old Testament. The only thing we know absolutely for sure about Arimathea is that Joseph was from there. So what, what I'm saying is, here's a man who at this point in his life has obtained a great deal of authority, who is looked up to by so many. Right? He's part of the, the high class of society, but that's not where he started. It's not where he came from. He came from a really little town. It's not even barely mentioned in history. Nobody remembers any of that except his name and that he's from there. When we read Mark and Luke, we find out that he's a prominent member of the council, the Sanhedrin council, so we understand how important he was. Matthew tells us that he was rich, which makes sense. If you're an important man, often you're rich, and he would be in that position. In Matthew, we find out that he had become a disciple of Jesus. But in John, we find that he's a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. So we're starting to, to understand a little bit more about who he was. If you read some of the apocryphal books, you'll find out in the Gospel of 2 Peter that he was a friend of Jesus and a friend of Pilate. Now you say, I don't know what the Gospel of Peter is. That's fine. It wasn't written by Peter. It's 
written in the second century, and it's not inspired. Um, but who knows? Maybe that's true. Maybe he was a friend of Jesus and Pilate before he was mentioned here in the Gospels. Um, another gospel, uh, apocryphal gospel, that mentions Joseph is the Gospel of Nicodemus. It was written in the 4th to 5th century, and it says that he was imprisoned after Jesus' burial by the Jews. Then the risen Lord released him immediately after he rose again, making Joseph the first witness of the resurrection. I don't know. I, I don't really buy that. I think there was actually a good reason that Mary Magdalene was the first witness of the resurrected Christ. Uh, but these stories often come about from something, some story that happened in history. And so maybe it's true that he was imprisoned at some point. We don't know for sure. What we do know for sure is at this point in history, he took courage. At this point, when he saw Jesus' body on the cross, he, he found the courage that up to this point, he'd been lacking. Up to this point, he'd, he'd done all of his following of Christ in secret. And not only did he at this point in history take courage, but he also was willing to sacrifice. So he took the body of Jesus down, and he took it to this a wonderful gravesite that had been a rock that had been hewn out, dug out, and now there's this place where a body would fit perfectly for forever. I mean, it was a, a burial place for a very wealthy man or a wealthy family, and it was custom that people would be buried together with their family. And so, it's very likely that when Joseph placed Jesus' body in the tomb, he was giving up his tomb forever. It was the place that he would be buried and no longer would be. He'd be buried somewhere else with his family. So he was very willing to sacrifice. I think even his decision to disagree with the council's decision to put Jesus to death says something about him. And, and I know that when we read the Bible, uh, we love to cheer for the underdog. And there are times we read the Bible when we, when we hear somebody is rich and really powerful and, and has authority we automatically think negatively of them. We're kind of trained to do that in our culture. But here's a guy, if you, if you were to think, you know, step back and say, this man has a whole lot going for him, meaning he has a lot to lose, right? This is, this is not just an ordinary, you know, I'm, I might lose my customers, you know, I might, I might lose some friends. This is one of the most powerful men in, in the country of Israel who was looked up to others by a man of God and they followed him and they listened to him and he, he knew the Bible and he was respected and when, when he spoke, people really listened. You, you think of Philippians chapter 3 when Paul is giving his credentials before he came to Christ and he says, I count them but dung. Well, really, this man had very similar credentials to Paul. And yet, in this moment... He decides to potentially put all those on the line, to give all of those up by going to Pontius Pilate and asking for the body of Christ and then putting him in his tomb. And so when I thought about that, uh, this is, here's just two thoughts I came to and then we'll, we'll be done. The first one is this, not all of us start well. Not all of us start well, right? And I, I'd love to hear Jeff's testimony about how he got saved, and then he stopped drinking, and then there's a lot of things that changed his life. But he said, I mean, that God continues to work on him. But I, I know that the testimony of a lot of us is that, you know, we got saved, and not everything changed overnight. 
And there was a struggle going on for a long time. And here, I think of Joseph's life, no, recognize he didn't have the Spirit of God living in him at this point yet. But he, he wanted to follow Jesus, but he was doing it secretly. Who knows for how long? Why? Because he was afraid. Because he was scared. Just like he, because he knew he had a lot to lose. Just like sometimes you're afraid. Because you know you have something to lose. And so there are times when in your walk with Christ, where I know if you're anything like me, you haven't spoken up when you should. You haven't shared Christ to the person that you, you knew you should because you were afraid of what they would think and what they'd say and what it would cost you. And so here's a man who understands that feeling and for maybe years lived under the, the burden of that. But that was enslavement to him. It meant that he had to hide the best thing about who he was. And here, in this moment, he steps out. And as, as though this might have cost him a great deal, can you imagine how freeing it would be for a secret follower of Christ to say, okay, this is it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the body down, I'm going to put him in my grave, everybody's going to know it, and that's it. I'm going to see what happens, but now I'm following Christ openly. So what happened? Well, I think part of what happened is that he saw Jesus die. He saw the injustice. He saw the love of Christ as he was on the cross. He heard the words. He saw the earthquake. He, he knew the temple had been rent from top to bottom of the veil. And, and I think that as he saw those things, God was working in his life. And, and so maybe that's the point where he recognized it truly, just like the centurion, truly this man was the son of God. But ultimately what I want to say tonight is, though many of us might not start super well, and though all of us at times experience fear as we walk with Christ, do you know what matters the most? It matters how we finish. It matters how we finish, right? And, and I don't know why, but lately that's been something on my mind that it is easy for a time to be excited about Jesus. It's hard to be faithful for many, many years, and, and I, you know, I think of some of our older saints that are getting closer to the day when they see the face of Christ. And I feel like almost a jealousy because they, they did it. Like they, they, I mean, they haven't done it yet, but they're almost there. They're really close. I feel like at this point, if they, if they went the other direction, they'd be foolish. You, you've, you know, sacrificed enough in this direction. You might as well finish it. Um, but they're, they're at that point where they get to see Christ and, and know that, yes, they weren't perfect and they struggled, but, but they did try and live for him. And, and I guess what I'm saying is, at some point, Joseph had to say, I'm going to do it. And praise the Lord that he did. I mean, he fulfilled scripture and he's known as the guy who gave up his tomb. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, testimony for him and his family. Um, but how about us? Uh, when, when are we getting to the point where we're like, yeah, I'm in. That's it. You can have my tomb. You can have whatever it is that I have that you want. It's yours to use however you will. And though we might not have started well, hopefully we will finish well. We don't actually know how Joseph finished. I don't know the end of the story. I, I hope it was a good one. Um, that's it. That's all I want to say. So thank you for being a part of our service. We got one more song. And so I'm going to ask, oh, I'm going to pray. As I pray, the, the teams will come forward. And then we'll sing His Mercy is More. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for the time, for the stories um, of your grace in the lives of your people, for how you don't leave us alone, Lord, that you keep working on us and that your grace just pursues us. And Lord, I thank you that that same story is true in the life of Joseph and Matthias, that you 
Though he was shy and scared and fearful, you didn't leave him alone. And eventually you gave him this wonderful opportunity to be of service to the kingdom, and he took it. And Lord, may we be the type of people that are, that are living for the kingdom of God, um, living for eternity and not just what, what's in front of us today. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. Oh, wait. Is that your line? Please stand. <laughs> thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about what you've just heard or are interested in the ministry of Maple City, please visit our website at maplecitybaptistchurch.com.